Don't be ashamed to learn things that you need to know. Here's Sexplanations with Dr. Doe. Sexplanations podcast, episode 12 with Michael Aranda, one of my favorite people. Such a cool person in terms of your interests in life, being curious, talking to me about sex, sending me text messages with sex-curious questions. I love it. What have I sent you? I don't remember. You've sent me multiple texts. I want to take them all and write an episode about them because they're so thoughtful. I don't even remember what I would have asked. Is it like, maybe I can pull why do up. I have two testicles instead of just one? <laughs> See, that's the kind of question that you ask. Why There's, don't I have three testicles? They're so clever. Let me see if I have them. But um, will you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Hello, my name is Michael Aranda. I have been a YouTube creator for 10 years. Uh, I spent five of those years as an employee of Complexly, making stuff for SciShow and Crash Course. And actually, I am the animator of the Sexplanations intro. Mm-hmm. And I think I did the sound on that as well. Our coffee thing. Yeah. Just to be clear, that's not my voice in the thing. <laughs> I just, I assembled the audio. Yeah, now I currently own a small production company in Missoula, Montana, where we produce an educational geology series called Kate Tectonics. We've got a few other projects coming out soon that don't have solid names, so I'm not going to say what they are. <laughs> but yeah. And you're a, a sexual me. being. I guess so. I My instinct was <laughs> to say, we're all sexual beings. But then I was like, ah, I guess, no, that's not true. Well, so I think what you're referring to is people who identify as asexual, and I would say yeah. that they are sexual beings, and their sexuality is asexuality. Why would you say that? Why do I put that language around it? Yeah, like because uh, if I if I, I I'm thinking in terms of saying everybody is religious. Oh no, there are atheists who I guess are not religious. But it's not that atheism is a religion; it's just the lack of religion. So why is asexuality not just the lack of sexuality? I would change the metaphor to be something like we are all cognitive and then say some people have beliefs about God, that there is one, and some people have beliefs that there isn't one. So, But like sexual in that we don't reproduce in and of ourselves. Okay. Okay. I see what you're saying. So biologically, humans are sexual beings. They reproduce sexually. Yes. Okay. And an orientation of that is to not experience sexual attraction. I think that's, I was conflating those two things. The idea of being sexual with the idea of feeling sexual attraction. Well, yeah. And a lot of people do. And it's semantics. So let's talk it out, right? That's like, you know, 98% of arguments that I've ever had. It's just people (laughs) having slightly different interpretations of the same words that they are trying to use to communicate things. Yeah. But thank goodness we get to talk and, you know, tease that all out. Yeah, I'm a little bit disappointed that there isn't video of this podcast happening right now because I think your hair is just fantastic right now. Aw, thanks. Is it all f- flyaways? No, I, it's it's because you bleached it. I did. And then it's starting to grow out. And I've always been a fan of the sort of like dark roots but bleached really? hair thing. Ooh. You don't yeah. like it? Mm-mm. Mm. Maybe it's just because I grew up in Southern California, so it's got sort of that beachy vibe <laughs> that I grew up with. Well, and you are a, you know historically bleached haired person it's true i have bleach in part of my hair right now just a little bit it's like the remnant of michael ronda first generation yeah i really like all these sexual topics that we're covering (laughs) hair yep 
Well, okay, so let's go into more of them. We want to talk about arousal, but first I want to give a shout out to the Sexplanauts who support us on patreon.com slash podcast. Donna, Maddie, the Millers, Paul Nixon, and Laura Schuster, you are all amazing. And to honor you, we've got a testy, a test question of sorts. Testies, testies, explanations, testies. This I'm going to ask of you because I already know the answer. What percentage of biosex females experience what's called a sex flush? What is a sex flush? A sex flush is a reddening or kind of it's when the skin blushes around the lower face, neck, chest. Okay. Area. Is this a multiple choice question? Or yes. Do just have to... Yes. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Okay. Would you like multiple choice answers or do you want to just straight up guess the percentage? Uh, I th- I'm going to go with the multiple choice okay. thing. I Here like we go. narrowing down my options. A, 5 to 10%. B, 20 to 45%. C, 50 to 75%. Or D, 80 to 85%. Hmm. I'm going to go with A. Five to ten percent. Yes. The answer is C, fifty to seventy-five percent. Hmm. I was off by a significant margin. <laughs> Have you ever seen it? No. Did you know that? Oh, okay, that's not true. I've oh. not seen it in person. Ah, the wonderful world of cinema. Yes. <laughs> well, it happens in biosex males as well, and that's about twenty-five percent of the population there. Why but the difference? I don't know. Huh. See, this is what our, the whole Sexplanations podcast <laughs> should be questions from Michael Aranda that Lindsay can't answer. Okay. I don't know why you have two testicles. I'm not sure why biosex females have more sex flushes than biosex males. Hmm. I have a haircut later today, and I've been using the same hairstylist for years. Her name is Abby. And for whatever reason, every time I sit in that chair, I always have like just weird unusually thoughtful questions to ask my hairstylist about the job of being a hairstylist. And she's always like, I I have no idea how to answer these questions that you ask. So I guess that's just part of my thing. Coming up with questions that people don't have answers to. Yeah. Around their field of interest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to say originally that maybe it was because you're a kinesthetic learner and she's touching your head. But you're saying that it's specifically around whatever the person's passion is. I just think since a very young age, I've always been obsessed with the question of why. My aunt would tickle me whenever I asked the question why because she got so sick of me asking why all the time <laughs> that she the only way she figured out how to like get rid of me was to start tickling me because I didn't like it and I'd run away. Wow. Well, I think that's great, though, to be curious. I agree. My aunt does not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm also not, you know, receiving five-year-old Michael Aranda's questions. Yeah, I wish I could remember what they were. I don't. Actually, one question that I do remember asking, this is totally not related to sex at all. I don't care. My apologies. Um, My dad was installing sprinklers in the yard, and he had these cans of some kind of substance where you, you would unscrew the top, and then the bottom of the lid had what looked like a really giant Q-tip. Like you would use that to dip into the substance that was inside the can and then uh, kind of paint that substance along the inside of a threaded bit of some PVC pipe as he was fitting it together. And I remember just being fascinated by like, why is it blue? Why does it smell like that? Why are you putting that on there? I have those same questions about the same material. Hmm. 
I don't think I verbalize them, but I am curious because there's two fluids, right? I think there were two different colors. And somehow blue and purple or something. That combination makes this incredibly strong bond between the PVC, one PVC pipe and the other PVC pipe. Okay, go go curiosity. Woo! Woo Woo-hoo! Okay, let's leverage my curiosity. Talk about arousal. To to talk about what you want to talk about today. Because four years ago, we did an episode on Sexplanations, the YouTube channel, where I taught people about this concept of tenting, where the vagina actually lengthens and then the cervix connected to the uterus raises up and kind of gets out of the way. And this is when the body is physiologically ready to receive something like a penis. And it's part of the cycle of arousal that the system tends to go through when it's getting ready to orgasm. Hmm. And so I thought, like, who else would be great to talk to other than Michael Aranda about arousal? When you first asked me about this, mm-hmm. I was like, I have nothing to say about this. But your, oh, your counterpoint was that that's why you wanted, like, me not knowing anything about arousal, me feeling like I didn't know anything about arousal. Mm-hmm would lead me to ask a bunch of questions about it, which is, I think, what you were after. Yeah. Let's just be curious together. Okay. Okay. So. Here's my question. Oh, you already have one? Why Why is tenting a thing? So I don't know the definitive answer on anything in life. This is something that I have learned through being in school and then being an educator and how much over time things change and what we thought we knew, like there are nine planets, changes to be there are eight planets and then this quasi-planet thing that we haven't really decided on That's just semantics, though. Those bodies are still in the sky. Right. But that's not the only experience that I've had of it where we think we know something, right? Oh, we know. We know that the Earth spins around the moon or like how, however it's, it's turtles configured. Turtles all the way down. Turtles all the way down. <laughs> yep. And then someone comes in with science and they explain that there's a different way to look at this. So I don't know on a lot of these things and I don't even want to claim that other people do, but what I think we have a basis on right now is that if the penis, an erect penis, which is an average of 5.5 inches, were to go into a resting vagina, which is on average three to five inches deep, it would hit the cervix pretty hard each time. And that's a very tender part of the body that, especially when it has repeated trauma to it before it's finished developing. So before age 25, it really can disrupt the body and cause cell dysplasia. And it's just, it's not healthy, right? To have What is your, cell dysplasia? Um, when the, I think it's when the cells of the cervix aren't growing properly. And so under a microscope, it looks like, oh gosh, is this something where we need to pay attention is this possibly human papilloma virus? Could this person have cancer, et cetera? So does that make for people who have a cervix having sex before the age of 25 with a longer penis potentially harmful in the long run? Or like, yes. are, what, are, what are the long-term dangers of damage to the cervix that way? Well, it can make it harmful if they're not tenting. If they're tenting and the cervix pulls out of the way and the vagina lengthens, then the risk lowers. But the risk would be for, gosh, I don't want to make a direct link to anything because I don't know enough about the medical side of it. But I think that cell dysplasia is connected to things like that cervical tissue not being healthy to then combat natural infections with the immune system. 
And then you're looking at HPV, which causes warts or cervical cancer. Sounds like I have some Wikipedia searching to do. Yeah, me too. So tenting is helpful, and that would be my guess as to why. The muscles that have to engage to cause tenting, to allow tenting, Mm -hmm. are those muscles that males also have? You're so great at this (laughs) game. I love this game. I don't know what is involved beyond the mucous membrane for the vagina to tent. The muscle structures that operate most of the pelvis are your pubococcygeus. Those are going to control defecation, urination, vaginal contractions. They are the ones that allow for your body to do a kegel. And I don't know if we're looking more vertically as the vagina lengthens what is in there that would pull it, lengthen it, and Mm -hmm. get it to expand. See, this is why you're so wonderful to talk to. (laughs) So much research must be done. Right? Mm -hmm. I wish I had all the answers. I don't. But I can help guide you in how to find the answers, which is what I hope I do for everyone, is to just give them three to four minutes of information that sparks their interest, and then they stay curious, and they go and find out. Yeah, what causes the vagina to lengthen and does a biosex male have the same anatomy? Because you in a in a biosex male body, there are muscular structures that change, right? Because during excitement, which is the first phase of arousal, the testicles will tighten up against the body and that happens because the scrotum has its own set of muscles that tighten and pull it close. Yep. You're like, yeah. Can confirm. Yep, yep. So one of the things that I tell people if they're performing oral sex on a penis and they want to kind of speed things along is to take the scrotum with the testicles in it and raise it up closer to the body's core because oh, that mimics the physiological like process. No, no, You no, don't no. like that? No. I, I am not a fan of anything coming in contact with the testicles. Ah, I've had a partner like that. Hmm. And he had enormous testicles. So it was very hard to avoid them because it was just like, (laughs) oh, my gosh, these are so big and so fun looking. I I have gone 31 years of my life without ever considering the idea that testicles could be different sizes. Like, obviously, the the size of the – the length and girth of the shaft is like – what everybody's like, oh, yeah, my penis is big and your penis, whatever. But like <laughs> the idea that testicles are different sizes, I what? Yeah, oh, yeah. Is that related to their production? Like do bigger testicles put out more sperm? What's coming to mind for me is gorillas and how they have small penises but larger testicles. And so their procreation tactics are considered to be different in that way. They just produce more sperm that goes in, but I don't know the exact numbers or the comparison. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Is that what this episode is called? I'm still learning. But I am very fascinated by how you don't like having your testicles touched. So the the idea of teabagging for you is a nightmare. Do you Define know what that is? teabagging. Teabagging is when you put a person's scrotum with the testicles into your mouth. Okay. <laughs> Just like hearing, imagining my testicles going into somebody else's mouth. Like I, 
I cringed a little bit. Like I, I tightened. I could see that <laughs> sounds tremendously uncomfortable. And you don't know if your testicles are larger than other people's. No, no. I, the idea that they would be a different size has never entered my you. mind. Yeah, and uh, around the same time that I was seeing this person, an article came out in our local newspaper about how there were these deer that jumped off of one of the parking garages over at the university. It jumped off the they parking jumped garage. Off them. And I'm not sure if it was those deer or a different. There was an article about a deer that did not have a scrotum. And so the testicles were just exposed. And so I started to have my own questions about whether or not his scrotum, maybe like yours, is thin or it's inside out or there's something about it that makes it different from other people's scrotums. Hmm. There's nothing about mine that would have ever made me think, this is really thin. Seems like a same thickness or even thicker than like the skin on the rest of my body. Okay. Yeah. That's typical. Yeah. I've had a few partners where like the first time that any sort of oral sex is happening, out of habit for them, I guess, they'll just like reach up and cup the balls. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, none of that. No, let's not do that. (laughs) Yeah, I totally understand what it's like to be your partner because I have been a partner to someone like you. And And having been with other people, I can teabag them or take their testicles and push them up into their inguinal canal or oh, uh, you oh, know, oh, oh, oh. bite, scratch. Oh. Callie's yank. sitting over there. Does that <laughs> does that sound uncomfortable? She says maybe. Yeah. God, no. Well, and it's similar tissue to the labia on a biosex female. And so uh, that whole range of experiences probably exists there as well where yeah. there are people who are like, do not – touch my labia majora and then other people who are all about scrape it with your teeth yank it around pierce it i wish people could see my face right now i mean obviously i understand that like different strokes for different folks but Mm -hmm. oh my god not for me keep those strokes away from me thanks (laughs) um (laughs) no ball sack play for michael aranda no like because you know i may have partaken in a few uh, porn viewings here and there in mm-hmm. my in my day. And so there's there's a handful of stuff out there where, you know, some chick's going down on some dude and, like, starts, sucks up his testicles into her mouth. And, like, that's – I just, you know, alt F4. Like, close <laughs> that tab immediately. <laughs> I'm the same way with anything anal related. Like, that is just – a huge turnoff for me. It's so, not your, it's yeah. not your want I mean, list. I, there's clearly a huge market for it, but anytime any of that pops up for me, I'm like, hmm, I need to go watch Nickelodeon or something. <laughs> is there a flavor <laughs> that you really like, which is not so vanilla? What's vanilla? So vanilla sex or vanilla sex play would be your traditional. So like just missionary. Yeah, yeah. Guy on girl, like that's that's vanilla. Yeah. Sex. And I would say in the early 2000s, the definition of vanilla really expanded to include things like oral and anal and different positions and different genders, et cetera. But for the most part, vanilla is going to be your, this is what we do I when think... we get in bed and have <laughs> sex in this form. And outside of that would be those flavors. I don't know if this falls outside of the realm of vanilla, but like what I find myself most attracted to when it comes to pornography is 
videos where you can tell that the people involved are like in love with each other or like mm. super attracted to each other or just like having a lot of fun with each other. And it's usually less produced porn mm-hmm. that, that is that way. That's lovely. Is it? I think it's <laughs> fascinating that that has become somewhat unvanilla. Is it? I Because I don't know. I, th- I think it is. I think for a person to emphasize authenticity, attraction, love, romance, et cetera, in pornography is uh, not mainstream interest. Hmm. I guess I would agree with that. Okay. Onward. And upward. And upward. I want to go through some of the things that happen to the body during the first stage of arousal, which is called excitement. Okay. And hear your thoughts on them. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So there's myotonia, which is muscle tension. Any thoughts there? Muscle tension. So like just the muscles in your body are like... (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Then there's an increase in heart rate. Okay. That makes sense. Blood pressure. Makes sense. Breathing. Makes sense. There's the sex flush that I was telling you about earlier. Okay. Which it sounds like you haven't seen, but do you know if you've experienced it on yourself? I don't know. Would I feel it? Would, I, would it just make me feel hot? I mean, your either way, temperature whatever your is going is, to I've increase. Not, I've not felt anything where I was like, yeah. oh, whew. I don't know that you would specifically feel it because you might just think, oh, your temperature is rising because you're excited. Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever said to me, dang, you look really flushed right now. You're all red and splotchy. Yeah. Okay. Um, erect nipples. I don't know that I have noticed that I experienced that. And I've also heard and witnessed that they darken during I have also not noticed that, but I guess I'll try to pay attention next time. Ooh, look at this. You're learning. Uh, vasocongestion, so the blood is going to your genitals. Things are becoming engorged. The penis is becoming erect. The clitoris becomes erect. The labia is going to fill with blood, and the labia majora is going to separate. Yes, yes, check, check, Can check. Can confirm. Okay, then we have lubrication. So for some bodies that might be pre-cum, pre-ejaculate, and other bodies that might be vaginal lubrication. I feel like pre-cum was more common for me when I was younger. I don't notice it as much anymore. But like when I was 18 or 22 or whatever, I think there was a much more common frequency of pre-cum. Okay. Why is that? Am I over the hill? I should just be prepared. Michael Rod is going to ask me a why question, and I'm not going to know the answer. No, I don't think you're drying out. (laughs) If I'm remembering correctly, it comes from the Cowper's gland, and I get to do more research about how that changes with time. Okay. I'm just going to take that to mean that I'm getting old, and my time left is small. But your time left is not small. I'm an old man, Lindsay. My joints creak. It's hard to get out of bed in the morning. Well, you've got some time, sir, <laughs> so <laughs> pace yourself. Okay. No, you're you're producing gametes for a long, long time. Don't talk about my gametes. I'm almost done. <laughs> so take that. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? Yeah, testes swell. So not tighten. The testes don't tighten. The testes swell. The scrotum tightens. I know that I've experienced, certainly, scrotum tightening. Mm-hmm. I don't no, it's never entered my mind that, oh, this is happening while I'm in a sexual situation. 
it's usually like, oh my goodness, it's really cold in here. Like scrotum's like, oh. Ooh. Okay. Well, here's something that I want you to do. Okay. Next time you're going through arousal or next time you touch your scrotum, look very closely to see if you have these tiny coils on your scrotum, like a texture almost like the testicles itself, but on yeah. the scrotum. Yeah. Yes, you do have yes. that. Well, then that might contribute to the increased sensitivity. What does that mean? And I don't know why. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. But I'll find out because I'm curious. I want to know the difference between scrotums that go in mouths and scrotums that avoid mouths. Hmm. Don't you? I guess it would help uh, help me understand why I am the way that I am. That's always beneficial to the world at large. Okay, next stage. Okay. This is the plateau. So just like in geography where you have a mountain with the top cut off, this is a level area on a graph of arousal. Time is still passing. The level of arousal isn't changing that much, but there's still things going on. One being that the clitoris retracts underneath the clitoral hood and the vagina itself darkens and becomes more purple. I have not noticed this, but I believe you. I'm excited because I'm kind of giving you these road landmark map things that you can then take into your play later. And well, with stuff like this, like mm-hmm. the, the the vagina becomes more purple. It, to <laughs> me, that sounds like something that someone discovered by causing uh, someone with a vagina to become aroused in a laboratory while they were shining a bright light on the vagina, and not something that I would normally notice while rolling around under some sheets in a dimly lit room. Michael Ronda, have you had sex with the lights on before? Yes. Okay. But even in that situation, I'm not like staring at her vagina the whole time. Sextra credit. (laughs) (laughs) Get up in there. When the person is aroused, check things out. The the third stage is orgasm, which I'm going to talk about in a future episode. And then the fourth stage is resolution where the body goes back to homeostasis. Hmm. Do you have any questions there? About homeostasis? I wish there was a question you could ask me that I could answer confidently. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking. Okay, um, well, while you think, let's <laughs> do this exercise from our sponsor, adamandeve.com. Feel your giggles if you're able. Main squeeze. Basically, I'm going to tell you about them. And then we're going to play the sound of a vibrator that comes from their website, adamandeve.com. And every time the vibration happens, you use your PC muscles to perform what's called a kegel, pelvic exercise, Mm -hmm. to strengthen your muscles so that you can pee better, poop better, orgasm better, have sex better, all of the things better. Okay. Okay. AdamandEve.com is an adult superstore where you can find vibrators and cock rings and lube and condoms and butt plugs, and you can bring them home to play with yourself or your friends and partners. There are lots of different colors, textures, shapes, and sizes. When you use promo code SEXPOD at checkout, 
you can get 50% off of an eligible item plus free shipping in the U.S. or Canada. Sufficient? Sufficient. I dated a girl who was involved in fitness competitions, and we went to Adam and Eve just to buy the heels that she would wear during those competitions. So if you're in the market for footwear, they've also got you covered. Wait, what kind of fitness was she doing? It's a fitness competition, like where the <clears throat> people with muscles oh, walk out on stage and then they builder. like stand there and flex, and the girls you know do all the poses to show like how thin their stomach is. I didn't is or even whatever. know that they wore shoes. And they have the, I don't know if all. I think actually all of the the women's class does it. But yeah, they they wear these heels. They look a little bit like you would expect to see on a, a Miss America competition. Uh-huh. It's just like. Kind of very petite and silver and shiny and, yeah, Adam and Eve. (laughs) Wow. Well, good. Then we've opened up their market. Yeah. That's fun. Did you come up with your your question that I can answer confidently? Maybe. Um, I have experienced this thing where if I become aroused, Mm -hmm. I will have an erection. And as long as there is sort of constant stimulation going on. It doesn't have to be like moving toward orgasm. It just has to be there. Mm -hmm. Erection will be maintained. But if, say, 30 seconds goes by with no stimulation, Mm -hmm. erection goes away. And then the sexual play can go on for like 30 minutes, an hour, whatever, and it just won't ever come back. And I'm wondering if like... Like, answer this question. Does that mean, like, is this the beginning signs of erectile dysfunction? Am I, I am getting old, huh? Yep, I'm drying up. Well, okay, so the people listening can't see this, and I wish we did have a live stream. But if you hold your hand out so that your palm and your fingers are all spread and your thumb is facing, it's pointed upward. Okay. I'm told, and I've read that it's a Chinese heuristic, but I've heard it comes from lots of different cultures, that the thumb is the angle of the erection off your body in your 20s and then your what pointer finger would be your 30s your middle finger would be your 40s 50s 60s for, for the pinky in my 20s my penis was was supposed to be vertical sticking well you you're holding it sorry i guess stick your hand out like you're shaking someone's hand there is my thumb re- re- not still pointed up relax, at the ceiling? Relax, re- relax, You told me to spread my fingers. <laughs> okay, well then. So not fully spread, gently spread yeah, fingers? gently spread. This this is how I do it. Like, it, you're not um, stretching them so much that there's tension, but I stretch them so it looks like an open hand. I question the validity of this, really? uh, this exercise. <laughs> I mean, and that's what they say about hur- heuristics or the rule of thumb thinking is that it is horrible because you're coming to this shortcut in your thinking and it's not accurate. But I would say in my experience that that's... that's... I think for my entire life, if, if I were standing up with mm-hmm. an erection with this hand exercise, mm-hmm. my entire life it's, it's been index finger. Maybe you have a well-endowed body part that is affected by gravity. And you are in your 30s, so that would make sense. Can I, can I tell you a story? <laughs> it's kind of a two-part story. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> Did you think I was going to say no? Don't tell me your sex uh, so, so part one is that uh, I was dating a girl while I was in college, mm-hmm. and her best friend was dating a best friend of mine. 
Mm-hmm. And this best friend of mine and I had grown up together. We've known each other for a long time. And we discovered, I don't know if this is like six months into like both of our relationships, that the girls had been talking between themselves <laughs> and had come to the conclusion that there must be something weird in the water where my friend and I grew up because we were both significant. <laughs> um, and so that, where did you grow up? Uh, Southern California. Chino Hills, California. Okay. Armed with this knowledge, that was the first time where I, I had like any notion of how I may compare to the rest of my mm-hmm. sex. Armed with this knowledge... The next time I ended up in an important relationship, I, I met a girl and I could tell, okay, we're getting along. We're probably going to end up dating. We didn't do anything sexual with each other for the first few months that we knew each other. But during that time, I sort of purposely started dropping hints that I might be uh, very small. So I was, I was like laying this this groundwork for for what I hoped would be a a nice payoff in the end. So like the first time we are in the same space and we're getting ready to be uh, sexual with each other, we've been making out for like half an hour or whatever, and then she she reached her hand down my pants and then stopped. Mm-hmm. And, like, sat up really quickly, and then she punched me. She punched she you? She punched me in the shoulder. Uh, abusively or playfully? Mostly playfully. Okay. But she, I wouldn't say... Like, she, she I wouldn't got say that she you were was, messing with her. Yes, yeah, I wouldn't say she was mad, but okay, she was I'm like, just, you got me. So here's some context for those who don't know you. You tend to date tiny women. Do you know this? I... In the time that I have known you, they all look almost the same, and they're all very petite. And so you say that they're that you're building up to this like happy surprise. Oh, I I I never imagined that it would be happy. It's oh. just I I relish subverting expectation, regardless of what that is. I just love the idea that I set somebody up for something, and then what happens is different. So it's so it, evil. It wasn't meant to be happy or sad. It was just I, I, I knew that she was going to expect X and she was going to get Y. So maybe she was expecting a comfortable fit and was like, oh, yeah. And then she realized she was dealing with arm penis. I don't know about arm penis. Oh, well, okay. I'm not. You're not arm penis. I'm not arm penis. <laughs> Or maybe she was a size queen and she was super excited. Yeah. Did she end up happy? Yes. Okay. Yes, very happy. I just... You messed with her. Yeah. So that might be the reason why your 20s and 30s were the same finger on your hand. Gravity? Mm-hmm. Mm. When I was a teenager hooking up with teenagers, to give it some context, their erection would go up vertically. It wasn't horizontal off of their bodies. I have never experienced that. Super excitement. And one of them, the penis was so red, like maybe shades lighter than a, a dog's penis because of the level of excitement and blood. I'm pretty olive skinned. So I, I think the melanin in my body 
can obscure a lot of the what would otherwise be like a, a flush or redness. It takes well, a lot for me to show redness in the face. When you're doing your extra credit, though, get down there. You never know. It could be purple. It could be. I don't know, man. I'm I'm just I'm usually looking at a person's face. Like that's where my attention is. That's nice. I'd rather look at a nice face than a purple anything, I think. Hopefully you find yourself in situations where you have more than one opportunity. You are talking to the guy who very happily ate Chipotle, the same thing from Chipotle, for 100 days in a row. And Tally <laughs> yeah. over there recording this podcast just finished a little road trip with me to Wyoming to see the eclipse. Uh, and what did I eat for almost every meal? Some sort of burger? Or pizza. Or pizza. Like, I am a creature of habit to a greater extent than probably anyone else you will ever meet. That's true. I know about your shoes, and I know about your hair, but I've also seen you change in the time that I have known you. Yeah. Like, I think in the time I've known you, you have put gym workouts into your routine. You have started a different YouTube channel. You have created an entire business and gone out. They're all very deliberate changes. It's like I have the habit, the routine going on, and Mm -hmm. then I can make deliberate changes to that. Whereas I see most other people kind of like they they go through life needing their routine to include variation, whereas my variation comes in like it's very separate times in life where it doesn't necessarily have to be a hard left or anything, but like a change in course will happen at a very specific time. So how do we attract you to deliberately look at a person's genitals during coitus? I think... (laughs) Actually, to make that happen, you would need to make the person that I was with want me to look at their genitals. I'm more interested in doing what the other person wants, what what is going to make them happy in that situation, as opposed to, I guess I don't even think about like, I don't know, I'm going to go look over here while they're trying to look in my eyeballs. I don't know. If, If someone that I was with wanted me to do something and I was comfortable doing that thing, that's when I would do that thing. Okay, so this isn't about arousal, but it's definitely about sex and intimacy. If a person hasn't thought about that as an option, they might not know that they want it. Or if if we only did what was verbalized or we thought what other people wanted, then we wouldn't explore. I think in this situation, mm-hmm. when it comes to purple vaginas, <laughs> yes, it's interesting to me that vaginas may become more purple. But I'm not so interested in seeing it necessarily that I would tell somebody else, hey, your vagina is going to turn purple. Do you want me to look at it for you while it's happening? I would just, if they happened to be like, I really, really want you to see how purple my vagina is right now, then I'd be like, okay, let me check that out for you. But you were so curious. I mean, you went to Wyoming to see the totality of the eclipse. And yeah. I, I imagine that you would be the kind of person to have a speculum on hand. Do you know what a speculum yes. is? And that you would have the equipment to even put a camera inside a vagina and record sexual arousal. That, to me, is who you are in my head. Hmm. I guess part of me is not surprised that <laughs> you would think that. But also, like, a person can be really passionate about, let's say, biology. Mm-hmm. And be very curious about how all the different cells interact and stuff, but not really care very much about chemistry. Okay. 
So like I do have a general curiosity about the world and there are some things where I'm like intensely interested in a thing, but I, I wouldn't say that I'm intensely interested in all things. I mean, as evidenced by this situation right here, <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in the idea that vaginas become purple, but I'm ambivalent, entirely ambivalent about whether or not I see it happen. Seeing the eclipse being in the shadow of the moon was an experience. It was an experience that I can tell other people about. It's an experience that I can video and then show the world and have other people be excited about that and relate to it in some way. And the experience of seeing somebody's vagina turn purple for me is not the same kind of like, oh my God. It's just like, oh, neat. Uh, okay. I mean, I'm not going to force you to be excited about it. <laughs> but I think it's awesome. And if I had the technology on me to stick um, a camera inside my body and have an orgasm and have that recorded, oh my gosh, I would share that. New Patreon I perk. Yeah. Buy me a camera. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Or... What I think I'm really interested in right now is being able to read the brain. So if I have an orgasm through clitoral stimulation, vaginal stimulation, no stimulation at all, just contractions or fantasies or whatever that is, I want to see if it reads on the brain the same way. You came up on our trip to Wyoming to see the eclipse. And I don't remember the context and I don't remember if Callie was there or not. But I think it was uh, my girlfriend Kelsey was like beside herself because she had found out that someone said that that you are capable of having an orgasm just through doing kegels is that a thing mm -hmm. yeah. kelsey was just like michael Lindsay doe can have an orgasm she can get without her hands yeah yeah i had to figure out how to do it and we've talked about it on this podcast before but how to do it when i was writing online courses about human sexuality because I was looking at so many sexual images and reading so much sexual content that I would be aroused the you know the entire work day and when you're aroused your genitals engorge with blood and so even though the blood is still in your brain it feels like there is less blood in your brain and so you can't think because it's all congregating in your groin and so I learned how to relieve myself without having to put lubrication on my hands or undress or anything like that so that I could get through the day. Were, you, it, were you doing all this research in a private setting or mm -hmm. was, so part of it wasn't like you're in a public library and you need to take care of business. <laughs> you no, 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 to... no. It was a, a, just an office, a home office. Hmm. Have you ever used this power in a public setting? Um, oh, I'm sure. It's, and it's not the same kind of orgasm as a clitoral one, which is why I'm so fascinated to see what it looks hmm. like in the brain because that's really how they measure uh, an orgasm because you can't feel that for someone else, right? No one else can tell me what my orgasm feels like. They can only read it on a brain scan. But it definitely relieves me and it definitely <laughs> puts the blood back and it feels amazing, but I'm not, I'm not moaning. My breath isn't dramatically different. I could have one and no one would know. You should do it right now while we're talking. Done. This, <laughs> this reminds me of a conversation that came up 
maybe a year ago where uh, I decided that if I had a superpower, it would be that I could cause someone to have an orgasm like from a distance and like I would just like point at them and then they would have an orgasm so that I I could use this power if like someone cut me off in traffic or was being otherwise mean mm-hmm. in a traffic situation I could just like give them an orgasm to like both ruin their day and make them happy at the same time mm-hmm. because like you know it would feel good but then like I'm on my way to work and now damn it oh you want to affect people with their semen <laughs> uh, yeah, and as part of the conversation, I, we, this was, a, you know, a work conversation. We didn't have an HR department, um, and uh, most of the conversation that ensued after that was around like, would that superpower? Because the people that are receiving the orgasms, they're not consenting to having an orgasm. So, like, to what degree is someone using that superpower? being like a terrible human being. I guess the same degree as any superhero who is manipulating another person by lifting them off of the ground in front of a moving truck or reading their mind or, right? In all of those cases, you're doing something without consent, but to improve a situation. Well, yeah, causing a guy to mess up his underwear on his way to work isn't really improving the situation. That's just... I'm mad that you cut me off in traffic, so here, come a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we need an ethics channel. I don't know what the answer is there. But in my head, it became a very political conversation because I was like, God, if we could distract some of the people in politics from making bad decisions by keeping them covered in their seminal can you, food all day. Can you imagine yeah. causing Donald Trump to have multiple orgasms during the course of one of his, like, pro-Trump rallies? Somehow I feel like that would not actually change the course of history, given the fact that, <laughs> like, it feels like so many similar things have already happened and we're still on the same path. Hmm. But, yes, that's where my brain went. I wasn't even thinking about the semen part. I was thinking about just cheering up grouchy people, hoping that they would have some sort of enlightenment and make better decisions. I guess. Like, you know, the the people who come back into the store and they're like, let me see your manager. You just like snap your fingers. Yeah. Like, oh. the, yes. Actually, like, never mind. You need I'm to fine. get laid. <laughs> Anything else that you want to say about arousal or – your superpower? <laughs> I think I've said too much already. <laughs> there, there are no limits here on the Sexplanations podcast. We talk about sex. It's that, true. We that did that. has to invite open conversation. And I feel like it does. So I'm really grateful that I get to have these free-form conversations with people and they can go in any direction. You know, with Hank, we talked about masturbating in the Oval Office. Sex huh. and politics go together. Yeah. I've never had that particular thought, but I have wondered, like, how often presidents sitting in the Oval Oval Office with no one else there just, you know, let a rip, just fart because they, like, no one's there. Uh, Yeah, often. Probably. I don't feel like my flatulation is controllable in all situations. 
Maybe I need to do more kegels. <laughs> do your kegels. Watch Sexplanations podcast. Do group kegels with us. Okay. Well, I'm really glad that you came. Me and too. you braved it. You talked with me about sexual arousal, even though you didn't think you had anything to share. I still question whether I had anything interesting to say about the topic of arousal specifically, but I think overall we had an interesting conversation. <laughs> I can say that I am more curious about the topic, and there is a lot more that I want to know in terms of what is happening with the vagina when it lengthens? Do you have similar muscle structures? Why is it that some people have scrotal tissue or any tissue in that area that is more sensitive than others? There are things that I know about sexuality and I talk about, and I, I don't often have the privilege of going down to the second or third or fourth level of those ideas and really picking them apart because mm. people don't have the first level knowledge. And so I'm constantly just teaching anatomy and physiology basics. And so I, I don't know, I think it's really cool that you came and got me to think more about the things that I talk about every day. Maybe someday you can give me some answers about why I don't like my balls touched. Yeah. It's not like the scrotal skin. Mm -hmm. That part is fine. Like the skin doesn't bother me. It's specifically the testicles and like Having them touched or played with, it's like a very, very mild version of the feeling of being kicked in the balls. Have you been kicked in the balls? I, I have certainly experienced impact to oh. testicles. I don't know if it was necessarily like shin to mm -hmm. groin, but several times in my life I, I know for sure like impact, like terrible feeling going up into stomach, wanting to throw up. Well, and listeners, if you have... The reasons why <laughs> Michael Lorana's testicles are having a reaction to the things we're saying about them. <laughs> Please let us know. Ah, oh, okay. So a special thanks to you, your studio, Cinema Studios, Callie for helping us out complexly, who produces the Sexplanations podcast, Count Boogie for the jingles, and all of the sexplanauts who make this possible. And Cora and Parl, I'm still learning. Mm -hmm.